Hey everybody, welcome back to the Third Deck Lounge podcast. It's uh, It's been a while and uh, I apologize, but life's gotten busy. But today my guest is Matt Schmidt and we're going to be talking about cybersecurity and it's going to be really, really cool. So Matt, welcome to the show. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah, man. I My degree is actually in uh, cybersecurity and I'm looking to get my certs too, so this is just cool for me that we're both kind of doing the same type of thing and you're much further along than I am. And you're working in, um, with, with a pen testing company. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So I guess I'll give myself a little bit of a <clears throat> introduction here. Um, but yeah, so I was a mortarman with a uh, second Italian six Marines, uh, and I was a FO, um, went to JFO school and became a JFO as well. Um, did a UDP and a MU, so nothing too crazy there. Uh, only in for four years. Uh, got out as a corporal, and then actually, it's kind of a funny story. I found out I got promoted to sergeant uh, while I was on terminal leave. <laughs> found that out about a year later when I started working for the Army. Um, so while I was in college, I went to Towson University in Maryland, uh, and then I started working for the Army Test Evaluation Center in a cybersecurity division. Uh, an average proving ground. I logged into my uh, my civilian account and it greeted me as Sergeant Schmidt. And I was like, "What the fuck?" But um, uh, yeah, so I worked at a cybersecurity division there. Basically, um, any products that the uh, Army wants to acquire, if it connects to a network in any way, um, kind of came through our division uh, and got you know tested for various controls. Um, really detailed. It was pretty cool experience there. Um, worked, uh, I was on the uh, cybersecurity team at my college, so um, that's something we could talk about a little bit uh, later, but that was a really cool experience for me. It's kind of what led me down this path and figuring out that I wanted to become uh, an ethical hacker. Um, I ended up getting my bachelor's degree in information technology. Um, <clears throat> from there, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, which is where I live now, working here. I got a certification called the OSCP uh, and just kind of explain what that is. It's the offensive security uh, uh, certified professional, I think. What was it? Yeah, offensive security certified professional. I should probably know what that is. Um, but it's basically just a 24-hour hack fest where uh, they give you five targets that you have to hack into uh, and try to gain basically an admin level on all those systems. Uh, then you have another 24 hours to write a report and submit it to them. Um, that exam sucked, uh, but passed on my first try, and that was pretty cool to get that over with. Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, I work as a penetration tester now. Um, so if that's not hooking people into wanting to get this job, <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's just a ridiculous name uh, for ethical hacking. But, um, yeah, we do um, work for a company called Triaxum Security here in Charlotte. We do penetration testing compliance auditing, strategic consulting, stuff like that. But uh, really, I, you know, I get we get contracted by companies. Uh, I get to just try to hack them um, day in, day out on various types of assessments, which you can get into in a little while. But um, uh, yeah, so it was, it was a pretty cool job. Um, you know, get a get to hack people, find uh, cool vulnerabilities and exploits and report it to them and make the world a safe place. Yeah, that's all, like, super cool. And it's honestly, like, just stuff that I've always wanted to do. Like, literally since before the Marine Corps, I knew that, like, after I was going to want to get into cybersecurity and do literally, like, exactly what you're doing is just ethical hacking because I just 
I thought it was just super cool being able to go into computers and like make them do things that they're not supposed to and being able to like exploit them or like even find exploits and stuff like all that stuff's just super cool to me and then like understanding just how like computer networks work and like how just computers themselves were like it's it's really like interesting like if you go down the rabbit hole computers are like super super like intricate very complicated things and it's like kind of insane and then it all just kind of comes together and you just have this little like screen in front of you that's you know you're opening up google and stuff but there's so much stuff happening in the background behind that that like you really don't think about or even realize unless you like actually like look into it yeah absolutely um it, it really is crazy the amount of things going on when you just type in google and you do a quick google search i mean the level of, of uh networking and routing and you know just even from an application level software uh you know programming that goes into it it, it really is crazy all the uh the inner workings of it and and that's kind of a big thing that you need to understand when you want to become an ethical hacker you need to actually understand the underlying technology why things work the way they do how it works um and then from there that's the only way you can really understand how you can take advantage of it and find those vulnerabilities so yeah it's, it's definitely crazy and what all got you like like did you know you always wanted to do this stuff or was it just something that you kind of like accidentally stumbled upon and fell in love with yeah definitely uh stumbled upon it um so when i i guess going pretty far back now when i graduated high school um i went to college for information technology but i was always you know really bad student um <clears throat> you know did tried that for a little bit um but i always knew that i wanted to join the military um and so anyway, uh, I went to school for IT and just was a bad student. I was on academic probation at one point. And they basically said, you got to get your grades up or we're kicking you out. And I said, all right, well, I'm going to go join the Marines, I guess. <laughs> so I joined <laughs> the Marines and uh, got, they definitely kicked my ass in a good way, made me a better student. So once I got out of the Marines and went back to college, um, you know, I was getting 3.5, 4.0 semesters and it was just really great. But um kind of stumbling upon it um i applied for a job for the army um, to be a federal employee um and it was called information technology management trainee and so i was like all right cool i'll do something it related well i didn't find out it was a cybersecurity role until when i was interviewing so i got on the phone with um my former you know boss now and uh he was like, why do you want to get into cybersecurity? And I was kind of like dumbfounded. Uh, totally caught me off guard. I was like, uh, and I just kind of bullshit something on the spot. Um, but I had no idea I was even interviewing for a cybersecurity role. So <laughs> that was the point where I realized, well, I should probably learn as much as I can about cybersecurity because um, I don't know anything about it. And that's when I joined um, <clears throat> my school's cybersecurity team. Uh, and the coach, um, who was one of the professors there, at, uh, Thompson University, he basically was like telling me, yeah, you can get paid to hack people. Like this is a job and it pays really well. Um, and I, from there, I was just like, oh, dude, this is sick. So um, he gave me, you know, a objective uh, to hack something. I spent all night Googling and researching and figuring out and I finally was able to do it. I used Eternal Blue on a Windows machine to gain remote uh, access of a Windows computer. 
I was like, dude, this is cool. So that's kind of how I stumbled upon it. But yeah, never really knew this was a career. Um, so that's why I'm really happy to be on this podcast to kind of tell people how cool this job is. And it's a great avenue for veterans. Yeah. And I think, I think a, a lot of dudes really don't understand that, like, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to get into cybersecurity. Like, uh, like I wasn't like by any means the best high school student either. Like I kind of like, like I always thought like, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. Like I, I never really cared for high school and I kind of sucked at it. And, um, like learning computers though for me like it, it wasn't too difficult it was more like i literally everything i know i learned off of like forums and youtube and like now there's sites that i'm using like hack the box and like try hack me and they literally like like going back to like just marine corps kind of like way of like talking and stuff like uh like the crawl walk run thing like they they literally do that they hold your hand at first and they're like this is how you open up internet explorer just hold your hand and like explain everything to you in depth go on to like hack the box and make a little account and just like mess around with it because it literally teaches you everything you can go on to youtube too and just type in like uh, whatever challenge you're doing and there's videos that like dudes do it and like kind of walk you through it john hammond he's uh, another youtuber that is all about cybersecurity. really great guy he kind of like sounds like discount seth rogan he's like funny to listen to <laughs> There's also dudes like uh, Network Chuck. He explains everything pretty well, too, um, and just kind of covers all the bases. Crypto Cat's another one. I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch of these, but it's it's not hard to get into it. And there's so many different, like, fields within it that you can do. Like, you can be, like, a network administrator. You can be a dude that actually sets up the network. You can be, like, a pen tester that's, like, an, an ethical hacker. You can be a security analyst. You can be a malware analyst. You can be, like, like a forensic analyst or a post-incident response where it's, like, when someone does hack into a company like a bunch of data is leaked from the company these dudes go in and like figure out how they did it and like kind of track the guy down and then um if they i mean if they can but um then there's uh there's like all kinds of stuff you can do in it and it's really like it's not impossible to get into no it really isn't and um you know, that's a great point, bringing up all those different uh, avenues and paths that you can do in cybersecurity. Um, it, you know, I, obviously, I'm an advocate for uh, hacking and ethical hacking, which is kind of considered red teaming, but there's also the blue team side of things. And, um, you know, you can do threat hunting, threat emulation, where you're running scenarios for large corporations and trying to see, you know, what their defensive capabilities are uh, able to catch and detect. Um Incident response, like you mentioned, malware analysis, um, and and these are all fields that veterans excel in. Um, you know, the one thing that you can rely on with a veteran is that they're pretty much going to be very detail oriented, um, and they need a, a sense of purpose, and they're very driven. So, you know, when it comes down to um, looking at something, you know, a veteran's not just going to go ahead and look at it and um, you know, give it a couple, you know, once over or whatever, we're going to really get in the weeds with it and really try to figure out, you know, what's going on. And that can, you know, relate to both sides of the field, red teaming and blue teaming, you know what I mean? So, right. Um, and yeah, and that's a great point. Right. And for like, those of you that don't know what like red teaming or blue teaming is. So red teaming is basically like the ethical hacker side of it. Like you're, you're say like a company contracts you out to go in and figure out where their security holes are. You can basically, you're literally paid 
like you obviously you're gonna and again like this is just terms that'll like help you guys like you'll have your left and rights like you can touch these systems and these systems but do not touch these systems because if you mess up these systems you mess up like the company's capability to actually like work during the day and stuff but um they give you like free reign over a certain amount of things and upping to including the employees like dudes you can literally just be like talking to the receptionist and see how far you can get in or even just walk in and sit down at a computer and see see how long it takes for someone to be like hey uh do you work here planning devices and stuff planning malware like seeing if people will pick up usbs in the parking lot that you have malware on so that you can just plug it into the computer and see if it just start or if the malware okay so if you put malware onto a usb and you have it set up so that when you plug it in it runs it'll open up a shell which is this connection to that specific computer that is now exploited and you can literally just go from there and like pivot your way to other systems and then just like figure out everything um like it, it's super fun like i've heard like really funny stories of like dudes just fucking with people and it's like funny and like blue teaming is the whole like defensive side of that like you you have a network and you need to be in charge of tightening it down and preventing the red team from being able to get into your network yeah that was um another good point when you're bringing up um you know scope and what you're allowed to uh you know target what you're allowed to attack um, we have a, you know, a rules of engagement that we go over every single time with the client. Um, this is exactly what you can expect from us. This is what we are authorized to do. This is what you're authorizing us to do. Um, we're going to have a, a detailed scope provided by the client. So they're going to say, you know, this is what we would like you to attack and stay away from this. Um, and that's another thing I think that, you know, it's helpful for, uh, you know, veterans is you have a rules of engagement. Like these are these are things that you are familiar with um, and you're not going to stray from that, which, you know, some people may, um, but yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. And then um, uh, where was I going with this? Oh yeah. When you're talking about social engineering. So social engineering is where you're uh, trying to manipulate another human to do something on your behalf that they should not be doing. So uh, whether it's getting a password from them or running a malicious uh, script, that will execute code and give you remote code execution on a host, which is like, I can now have complete control over your computer. I own that now. Um, things like that, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of funny stories. Um, you know, one time I was doing a physical penetration test and a physical penetration test is where you're um, basically conducting an audit of security, uh, physical security controls uh, of a company's building. And so, um, I was doing this one out in Georgia, and it was a uh, larger building, one story, um, but it was long, and it had a roof. So I went up in the middle of the day. I found a door that was propped open by, you know, just some contractor doing roof work. Um, went up there, climbed up there, and I was just walking around on this roof, uh, and I found where the maintenance hatch was to get into the maintenance uh, room. And I figured if I can go down there, maybe walk around, I can find some sensitive locations like a data closet or something. Um, but I, I opened up this door and I just like scared a group of people that were just like hanging out down there. <laughs> <laughs> and they all just looked up at me and it's like, ah! And so there's just funny moments like that where I was like, all right, I'm just gonna close this and walk away. Um, I, I love doing things like that. You can really mess with people. Um, the goal is to really, again, like I said, try to manipulate other humans to do things that they should not do. Um, and 
I think veterans are good at this. Um, <laughs> you kind of feel bad, especially if it's a nice old lady and you're having her put her password into a website that you created and now you captured her password. Um, you kind of feel a little bit bad, but it's, it's a lot of fun and it's an adrenaline rush. Yeah, it's like it's insane all the uh different things you can do like with pen testing. Like you can uh like just like you were talking about, you can set up these websites that are literally clones of actual websites. And the like to the person that's unaware of this, they'll literally think it's just like the everyday normal website, but they go to log in and all of a sudden like you now have their login and password and you can go from there within it and continue to just exploit it. Yeah, I mean, we the, one of the campaigns that we frequently do, um, and it's not unrealistic for something like this to maybe get an email like this. So that's why you got to really kind of keep an eye out. But um, we'll copy, we'll find a login page for that company. We'll clone it. We'll uh, put it up on a web on a web server. Um, we'll buy a domain name. So if it's you know company.com, we'll do company.training. Um, and we'll send out, you know, bulk phishing emails to, you know, up to anywhere from like 50 to hundred, 200 people. Uh, and we'll say, Hey, uh, we're a third party contractor working with so-and-so and we'll look on LinkedIn for an IT person's name, the head of IT. We're working with them to set up a new training portal. Um, we need you to come and visit this website, put in your uh, normal username and password and that'll register you. Um, once you register, there's no further action that we need from you. Well, when we send that out and then they input their um, username and password, we're able to see that in real time. So if they put that in, now we're gonna log into their account, so yeah. Right, and for uh, people who don't understand like what phishing might be, so phishing is where you take, and I'm sure you guys have heard this, I know Deed's probably in the S1 and like, other dudes that like work on computers every day, they're probably aware of this at least, or have at least heard of it. Um, phishing is where like you'll get an email from someone that looks like it's legit, but you've never heard of them before, or, like really seen it before, and it, there's a link to it, and you just you're given the instructions, like you said, hey, fill this, fill this out. We're a third-party contracting company, and then you're like, oh, whatever, okay, it seems legit, right? But then all of a sudden you've just now helped out a hacker. And this is like the most common, like, or I guess I suppose one of the most common ways that people will um, end up getting into companies and exploit, uh, begin to exploit their servers and things and get into those, into that sensitive uh, data. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> humans are the biggest weak point in any company. Um, they're the easiest to manipulate, uh, easiest to hack. Uh, a company can have all of the right um, defensive measures, all of the right, you know, uh, coolest, hottest, most expensive technology, but all it takes is one person to fall victim. From there, once they're a victim, uh, an attacker is on that uh, organization's internal network, um, they're going to start pivoting, they're going to start doing whatever they need to do. Uh, and, you know, this is this is very common. And another thing that we, we do for our campaigns is we'll act as a recruiter. And, um, you know, a, a recruiter saying, hey, um, you know, we have a role that would be really fitting for you. Um, you know, uh, would you just be happy? You know, we think we have very competitive pay, very competitive salary. Um, you know, 
just take a look at this Word document, uh, open it up. The password is, you know, salary or whatever. Um, and it'll be a malicious Word document that when they log into it and, or when they open it up and enter that password, it's going to run a script on their computer, which will then, um, you know, execute code where an attacker can really do whatever they want. They can gain remote code execution, have control of that host, or they can put ransomware on it. And now that ransomware is going to spread throughout the network. And then you have a whole mess on your hands there. So, right. Yeah. yeah that's a big thing with a lot of these companies and, and like kind of before we, before we go into that, like cybersecurity is something that every single company, every industry, like even up to government agencies need. So like, if you get into this and you're good at it, like you can literally go anywhere, work wherever you want. Like you can, and you'll get paid good too, because in in the cybersecurity um, career field, there's a huge shortage of like dudes that are working in it. So that just makes your skills that much more valuable in any area of it. That's true. Um, you know, uh, Cybersecurity as a whole pays very well. Um, if you want to make six figures um, quick, this is probably a good field for it. Um, I say make six figures quick. It is hard to get into in terms of the learning curve, and you have to put a lot of dedication, time, and research into it. However, um, if you find it interesting, that's not really work. It's not really hard to want to research that stuff, um, and, and, and it's a lot of fun. So. Um, yeah, it's absolutely a great route. I think right now um, things are starting to kind of take a turn where salaries are starting to kind of level out. There was a while where um, people were starting off making, you know, $120,000 a year um, as a penetration tester with no experience. I think those days are kind of coming to an end. Um, you don't really hear about that as much anymore. Um, but you could reasonably expect maybe – uh, starting out anywhere from seventy-five thousand a year to a hundred thousand, uh, and then from there, you know, a year later, you can either leave the company and go somewhere else to make more money, or you work at a good company where they recognize that you learned a lot and they're going to pay you uh, appropriately. Yeah, I mean, I say this is like easy to get into, but for me, it's just I really love this. So for me, I can spend hours and hours just like learning about one little thing and then just keep on going. But yeah, there is a learning curve for for uh, probably most people. But yeah, the the pay though is like the pay is crazy. It's good, like it is good money. Like you will be chilling once you get established in it. Yeah, I mean, I I would do this job. Um, I hope my employers aren't listening. I would do this job, um, for much much less money. But um, <laughs> it does pay well, so that's a might nice not want to talk too loud. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, um, but like, yeah, like you said, it, if you love it and if you're passionate about it and you have a lot of fun with it. It's like you said, it's not that hard um, because if you love it, you you enjoy it and it comes easy to you. Um, and even if it doesn't come easy to you, it's still fun and you're going to you're going to want to learn. Um, so, yeah, I guess it's a both easy to get into and also a little difficult. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because it, it, like just for me, like going through like hack the box, it like. I understand like the little the concepts of everything, but getting into like the intricate like learning the tools and all this stuff like that's where it's kind of starting to get a little complicated for me. But that's why like the YouTube videos and stuff of how other people are doing it is like super helpful too. It's not like the early two thousands or like the nineties where like it was the dawn of cybersecurity and like dudes were writing these tools themselves. And nowadays like you can literally like Google and learn just about anything, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I guess I should have probably talked about this at some point, but um, when I was first starting to try to get into that role into penetration testing and, and ethical hacking, um, and I worked on that certification, like I mentioned in the beginning of this podcast, um, the OSCP, I was simultaneously going through a course that um, a good friend of mine now, um, he goes by the name The Cyber Mentor. His name is Heath Adams, um, and he's got a really good course called Zero to Hero, but he has a whole academy now with courses that are awesome. I totally recommend them. Um, but anyway, I was going, I mean, literally, he would do Twitch streams like once a week, and he would come up with content, and you would just follow along, <clears throat> and you would learn how to hack. Um, he recorded all the, the streams. I think I missed maybe one of them, but um, yeah, I was I was going through and just watching and following along on Twitch uh, on a live stream, and that just made it one fun for me to learn how to hack. It was easy. Um, I could ask him questions, but like you said, everything is out there now. It's all on YouTube. People want to teach about this stuff. People want to help others, um, and so there are so many different avenues. Uh, where you can learn and start out from zero. So Zero to Hero is a good series. Um, and, and there's, you know, different discords and slacks and websites that you can go to and learn. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I like that you mentioned that because uh, what I've always noticed, like every time I go into a discord or every time I like I go on a new YouTube channel is just how willing these dudes are really to like go super in depth, like no shit, like Barney style and like go and the lengthy detail on like how to do this stuff because they just they want to teach dudes like they want to be um somebody that like dudes can go to them and like learn how to get into this stuff because like it, it's cool like it's fun yeah absolutely and and that's a big thing that you know because i've had so much help along the way um i'm always trying to give back and help others out in any way i can whether it's mentoring or just giving them some advice resume reviews whatever um and so this is a, definitely an open invitation for anyone listening to this podcast. Hop on the Discord, the L Street Mafia Discord. Uh, I go by Rumham on there. Hit me up, send me a message. If you just have any kind of questions, you want some mentorship or help in any way to get into IT in general, um, I'm an advocate for cybersecurity and, and hacking. But if you just want to get into IT in general, I can absolutely help you out there. Um, and it's just a great location for sharing of knowledge and uh, having a good time. Right. And is this, okay. So I actually haven't asked you this. So honestly, so, cause I've, I've asked some people and they say that you don't need it. And then other people say that you do, but what, what do you think that this is something that you need a degree to get into, or is this something you can go off of just certs? Um, okay. So that's a good question. And I had a talking point about this. <laughs> um, no, you don't need a degree. Um, but I'm an advocate for getting a degree, um, at a minimum an associates, but a bachelor's preferable. Uh, and the reason I say that is because college sucks. Um, especially when you're a veteran and there's like all these 18 year old kids. I mean, when I went to college out of high school, I was 17 years old. Um, so you have like kids with no real world experience and they bitch and moan about the dumbest things and I mean, it sucks. Let's let's be real. College sucks. Um, it's just a cash grab in the purest form. You have to go to classes that you don't want to go to, that you don't need to go to. Um, you have to go at dumb times and stagger your day in a weird way. So it's hard to work while you're in college. So, I mean, I get it. 
Um, but I am an advocate because I think that, um, well, one, you got the, uh, the GI bill. So you're getting paid to go to college. That's nice. Um, but, uh, man, it, it really depends on the company. You know, some companies will just not hire you if you don't have a bachelor's degree. Um, and you might make it harder for yourself in the long run when it comes time for you to maybe get into a management role or a more senior role. Um, that's not all companies and you can find the right companies to go to. Um, but I do think that it might hinder your job aspects in the future. Um, so I'm an advocate for it, but you certainly don't need to go to college. You can get your certification. So, um, there's plenty of certifications out there that are great for this field. Security plus is a good starting point. Network plus is a good starting point. Um, and then you can get into the more technical, uh, exams and certifications. Like I mentioned, the OSCP is a 24 hour hack fest where you are given five targets. You've got to hack them. Um, you don't have to get all of them, but like four out of five. Um, <clears throat> and then there's other, uh, certifications out there. Like there's a company called INE. They also have, um, practical exams where you're actually hacking. So if you can demonstrate that knowledge and supplement it with, certifications, um, side projects, um, creating a home lab. If you, if you can just turn an old computer into a server and then throw up some virtual machines on there, uh, a virtual machine is just like a, uh, a computer. It's just like another computer, but it's on uh, another computer. It's kind of, kind of weird to say that out loud, but, um, if you can set up a lab, um, set up a vulnerable environment, hack it, um, those are the kind of things that will set you apart and will help you out if you don't have a degree. Um, I think you should be doing all those things with a degree as well, because then you're going to get hired. Um, but yeah, that's a good point. I think I, you really can get a job without the certifications. I have a buddy or, or without the degree. I have a buddy um, who I think he, he only has his associate's degree. And, you know, he's making really good money working for a very large company. Um, but it took him a uh, it probably took him a little bit longer maybe to get to that point. I could be wrong. Um, you're going to have to work a help desk job probably or a sysadmin job, work in a stock. Whereas if you have a degree, it might be easier to kind of jump right into that role that you want. Uh, okay. I hope that answered your question. I mean, it's, yeah, no. it's really hard, you know, to actually say for certain what right. you need or Right, because like I, I hear like different things from people too, so it's just all just interesting perspectives to like think about. Yeah, and, and the company that I work for, um, I work at a very small company, but we're growing rapidly. Um, the the owners prefer that people have a degree, but they're never going to rule anyone out for not having one. I mean, they get it, you know. What I mean, you can have all these skills without a degree, and and to be honest. The people that I graduated with and that hold the same degree as me, some of those people still are looking for work. And I graduated over three years ago. So, I mean, I don't really hold that that piece of paper to a high standard necessarily. Um, it is what you it, it's what you put into it and what you take out of it. Right. Yeah. Just like anything. Um, oh, I want to ask you so many questions. So do you mess with a lot of like malware? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not good at malware analysis. Um, if you were to throw any in my way, I'm not going to really know what to do with it. Uh -huh. It is an avenue that I want to go down eventually, but 
Yeah, no, not at and, all. <laughs> and so you, okay, so before the podcast started, so I talked about like, uh, or I asked you about the different areas that you kind of did. Yeah, sure. So, <clears throat> um, I kind of do it all. Um, you know, master. Uh, what, what's the term? Uh, jack of all trades, master of none, kind of thing. Um, I do a lot of web application penetration testing. So, um, just websites. Um, uh, you, you'd be surprised how many times you come across a website and you can view information that you shouldn't be able to view. Um, I do network penetration testing, whether that's an internal or external. Um, external penetration test is pretty much just like, uh, you know, what can an attacker do from anywhere on the internet? What, what could a, a Chinese hacker do, um, you know, from all the way across the world? And internal is assuming that there has been a compromise, of, um, a malicious insider or a hacker has found a way inside of an internal network. Um, social engineering, that's like I mentioned earlier, where you're trying to manipulate a human into giving you information that they shouldn't give you or um, act on something that they shouldn't be doing. Um, physical penetration tests, I've talked about that a little bit, but um, really you're just trying to break into buildings, picking locks, bypassing locks, um, climbing over fences, climbing under fences, climbing over walls, uh, and really you're just trying to get inside of a building and get unauthorized access to um, sensitive locations like a data closet or a data center where you can um, get into their internal network. Um, <clears throat> there's stories out there of, I like physical penetration tests, I don't do a lot of them, but um, there's a really good podcast called Darknet Diaries. Um, if anyone wants to you know, listen more about these kind of stories, um, just as a little side note here, a little side story here. This one guy literally was stealing, um, I think it was an energy company that he was doing a test for, stole trucks from like a warehouse and just delivered them to like a parking lot next door, hit up his client and was like, Hey, I just stole like 10 trucks. Um, they're in this parking lot. I left the keys in them. That's just cool. I like stories like that. Um, I do wireless penetration testing. So if you have a router and there's a wireless network, we can try to hack that, um, get a, uh, a, um, called a pre-shared key, you try to get that, crack it, and then you can gain access to the wireless network. Um, we've I've done password uh, audits where a company will give us their entire organization's password file, essentially, which is all encrypted hashes, and we'll try to crack those. So um, I've kind of done a lot of everything. I wouldn't really say I'm a master of any one of them, though. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's, like, that's a lot. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what's like uh no. what's like the dumbest passwords you've you've seen people uh use great question um i guarantee somebody listening to this podcast is using winter 2022 right now <laughs> um so we um a common attack method for passwords is called password spring um so you're kind of reversing the paradigm of a brute force attack so a brute force attack is when you take one username and try a ton of different passwords against one user and you're trying to see what sticks, what's their password. Um, you're not going to get a lot of luck with that typically. A password spray is where you take a large list of users and you can get this information on LinkedIn, um, a company website, and you're trying to get all these email addresses or usernames and you're trying uh, you know, a single weak password. 
Um, and that's something that's very common. Um, we have a lot of success with that um, in gaining people's passwords. And so weak passwords are typically winter 2021 or 2022. Um, so like a, uh, a season and then the year, um, depending on the location of the company, we'll look at sports teams uh, and try to figure out what's a popular uh, team out there. We'll use that with the year, um, the company name plus year, things like that. A lot of people are, I mean, I'm telling you, People put some really dumb passwords out there. Yeah, I believe it. I've, I've seen like uh, I remember um, when I was still in high school, I was uh, messing with like Reaper and doing um, trying to like hack my neighbors' uh, routers and like get their passwords. Yeah. And like uh, I actually got one of them, and I don't remember. I don't. I, I had no way of telling which neighbor it was, but their uh, their password was like Sundress Eleven or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean it's. You know, passwords. All right. So uh, there's um for, you know, everyone listening, I really encourage you to get something like LastPass or Bitwarden, um, which is a password manager. You will never have to write down your passwords on a sticky note again. You will never have to set a weak password ever again. If you put a gun to my head and said, what is your bank password? I would not be able to tell you because it is like 64 characters long of just garbled nonsense. Um, and you'll never be able to crack it if it's a hash. Um, and I, I just couldn't tell you. All I have to know is one master password for uh, a password manager. So I recommend everyone get one of those so you never have to set a weak password ever again. Yeah. Um, I know there's sites like uh, Have I Been Pwned that, uh, that you can type in, like, your email, and uh, it'll <laughs> tell you if there's been, like, data leaks of, like, your password, and it's, like, floating around on the... Oh, yeah. uh, on the dark net and dark web that brings uh, another good point um there's a website called dehashed.com and uh you have to pay for it but it is a website where you can put in anyone's email address or a company domain name so you know microsoft.com and it will search through publicly um public breaches of passwords and look for um, hashes and clear text passwords for that email or that domain. So um, haveibenpwned.com is a great way to check your password to see if it's out there. Um, and if it is, don't set that. Um, but that's something that we actively do during assessments is we're going to look at public breaches uh, and see if there's any weak passwords out there that we can use uh, that will help us out. Yeah, and I remember uh, while I was still in one time um... – my Steam account, I got locked out of it, and I was like, uh, and for anybody that doesn't know what Steam is, it's like, it's like a platform where you can buy games on PC and, like, play games and stuff. So I got locked out of my account, and it was telling me my password was wrong, and I was like, how is my password wrong? And I'm going into, like, my uh, my email to, like, try and reset it, and it's not even, like, I'm seeing emails where it's saying that my, uh, my password's been changed successfully, my email's been changed successfully. I was like, I never did this, what the heck? And then, um... I'm like, I had to put in a whole thing, but basically someone had gotten into my email account and then I guess had also gotten my Steam account and then like, it just like changed it to try and like hijack my, like my games and stuff. And it was like insane to me because I was like, I've got a lot of like sensitive stuff on that uh, email that like they could, they could have gotten into like my bank stuff, like all of it. Yeah. I mean, dude, I, I... 
I'm in cybersecurity now, but I haven't been in it forever. Um, and I'm in the same boat sometimes where I have like just random accounts out there with like really shitty passwords that absolutely are in breaches. Um, and so every now and then I'll <clears throat> get like a random email that like um, somebody's trying to log into an account or um, they couldn't get past my multi-factor authentication. And I'm just like, damn, like I got to start really taking an audit of all my accounts out there and start changing the passwords. Cause I, you know, to this day, I'm, I'm still getting those and, and I don't set weak passwords anymore. So, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it happens. It happens. Yeah, and the whole like uh, two-factor thing—they uh—they do that at my school for like everything, like uh, emails and all of it now, because uh, apparently some students had their uh, like tuition stolen from because uh, they thought they were paying uh, it on the school's website, and they were actually paying it to hackers, and they were like they weren't able to get the money back or anything. Oh wow! Yeah, that's, so that's a good campaign. <laughs> yeah, they 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 make uh, actually talking about that. Um, all these criminals that do all these like, hacking crimes and stuff, they they actually make an insane amount of money. It's like it's like the wild west. Like the internet's really kind of like there's no real like control over it. Everybody kind of just is on it, and dudes can like manipulate the fuck out of it. Can do all these kinds of scams and stuff. Like right down to like cell phone numbers. I got a call a couple weeks ago uh, from somebody, and they're like, uh, "Hey, you just called me," and I was like, uh, "No, I didn't." And they're like, uh, "They're like, yeah, you did. You said somebody was missing or something." And I was like, "Uh, what?" And then they're like, I "Guess this wrong number." I was like, "Yeah, I think so." But what, what I'm kind of guessing is that someone spoofed my uh, phone number, call them, and do try and do some kind of scam. Yeah, it could be. I mean. Make no mistake about it, the internet is a hostile environment. I mean, it, it, it's a it's a great place, a wealth of information, and um, you know, it, it serves an excellent purpose. But the internet is a hostile environment because anyone can connect to it anywhere in the world, and many people have very bad intentions. So, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's another thing. If you have like a, a webcam on your laptop or something, put some tape over that shit. Because, like, uh, yeah, no, like, I, I literally, like, the first time when I was in uh, high school, I was watching, like, videos on how to use, like, Kali Linux, and it's, like, basically an operating system that's set up to, uh, it's set up for, like, uh, ethical hackers to literally, it's just got all the tools on it that they need to, like, do and to go and do these uh, audits and stuff, and um, I was watching YouTube videos on how to do it, and, like, I basically put uh, some malware onto another computer that was uh, in my house, and I was able to, like, get a shell on it, and I was able to download files, take screenshots of the uh, what, what was being done on the computer at the time. I could uh, I could see if it, the computer was being idle, or if the computer was idle, or if it was being used, like, when the last time somebody moved the cursor or something, or typed something. Um, you could even run, uh, like, uh, key, key loggers, where you can just record what people are typing, and... Um, that way you can get passwords and stuff, but I'm sure that takes, like, a long time because, obviously, there's a lot of things that people can do on them. Um, and then, like, yeah, down to the webcam, too. I could literally take pictures on the webcam, and, like, you wouldn't even be able to tell, depending on the model, if, like, if it gives you that little indication that the, the webcam is being used. But even then, uh, there was, like, this big thing with the, uh, the FBI a while back that they'd actually gone in and developed some kind of code where, like, even if you did have a, a little light indicator... That would turn on uh, when the camera was being used uh the, their code would make it so that it wasn't being turned on like you literally just had no idea that like people were recording you or taking pictures of you or whatever 
Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's kind of a big red flag when, um, you know, I don't know if you knew about this, the former FBI director, James Comey, uh, that guy puts tape on his webcam, and he did it while he worked at the FBI. So when you have the FBI director uh, putting tape over his webcam and, and people like Mark Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg putting tape over the webcam, yeah, you probably should do that or get a webcam cover because, you know, you just you can't trust it. Yeah, it's really like kind of crazy, like just how bad, like, like literally if you wanted to really like, uh, like if you were doing a test on like, like specific people within a company, because I'm sure you've, you've tried to like, uh, or you've probably had specific people you were trying to like get their specific password because they had higher privileges than others. Um, and that would just make your job easier to like go and get control over other kind of things. But like, if you really want to get down to it, you can go through their social medias, you can go through their LinkedIn, you can go through like all kinds of stuff and find like right down to their like address and stuff. Like, it's kind of crazy. Like the family members, like every like when you think about it, like if you were someone that's a malicious person trying to like stalk somebody and gather as much information as you can, like in this day and age, it's like really easy to do that. Oh, dude. I mean, it, it's crazy. Um, you know, I, I definitely encourage everyone to kind of take um, an inventory of what information you have out there, because like you mentioned, you can find family members. You can find, um, you know, everything down to somebody's pet and their the name of their pet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you really can't take security lightly when it comes to the Internet. Um, and, and that's just another reason why it's like you don't want to advertise all the time what you're doing on social media. Um, probably want to set your profiles to private um, because, you know, how many times have you seen something where somebody has broken into somebody's house because they posted that they were on vacation? Like whenever I take a vacation, nobody knows about it until a few months later. Right. I don't want anyone breaking into my house. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's. Man, the, the kind of information that you can get on one person and build out, you know, a dossier essentially of, of that person is scary. Yeah, like it's not even hard. You literally can just go onto your phone. It's not like you need anything crazy to do that. Like, oh, oh no, that's yeah. another thing. Like, uh, I'm sure you can go like way more in depth on this because you have experience actually doing it. The, the beginning phases of doing a penetration test or even if you're a criminal and you're going to like go and do something to a company or a specific person the 95% of it is literally just gathering information. Yeah. Uh, we call that OSINT, uh, open source intelligence. And, um, you know, the best, you know, the more, uh, OSINT that you can do and the most information that you can gather, the more successful you'll be. Um, and while I might have a week or maybe two weeks for a penetration test, um, an attacker has all the time they want all the time in the world to really take their time, be detailed, be dedicated towards um, that goal. So, um, you know, really make it hard for, make it hard for me as um, a good guy, but make it hard for the bad guys because they have all the time in the world. And if they really want it, they're going to get in. So Yeah. I think like, uh, so when I was younger, I heard of Stuxnet. That attack was a more of like a state actor type of thing. Stuxnet was a virus that was sent into, uh, or I guess planted somehow into like Iranian uh, uranium manufacturing facilities because they wanted to like slow down their uh, 
their their like process because they were like getting closer and closer to uh, being able to develop a nuclear weapon, and they wanted to slow that down so that uh, I guess just to buy more time. But Stuxnet basically went into their computer systems um, and slowed down the cylinders that I don't I don't know what they did exactly, but they spun at a certain rate, and these. Uh, what they found out about these uh, cylinders is that if they spun at a certain rate, it would break it. So um, when they so they designed the code, and it was like one of the most like there's a whole lot more to it. One of the most sophisticated things, uh, sophisticated attacks, like at the time, and um, the Iranian government was spending like a crazy amount of money, like replacing all these uh, cylinders because like it just it, they kept breaking. They couldn't figure out why, and um, they also did a little bit of like trolling in it. They they had uh there was reports from like Iranian scientists that their computers would just start randomly blaring ACDC. I, I like, didn't hear about that. That's awesome. I yeah, like that. it's just like full on just like breaking their shit, fucking with them. And you can look into it more. Anybody listening, because I'm sure you've like heard of it too. But uh, there's a ton of stuff like even with Ukraine, like all these cyber attacks and stuff. The cyber domain is definitely a formal warfare nowadays yeah i mean you look at what happened with colonial pipeline um, you know a little while ago oh yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah that that sent everyone into a frenzy right um it, it's very likely we're going to see another one of those uh in the in the near future um but guaranteed within our lifetime we are going to see something on a scale that we could never even imagine um something that we couldn't fathom and it's going to be way worse than that i mean while the colonial pipeline thing was bad um that's going to just be you know small compared to the next big hack um and it's probably going to be russia or china um it, you know i imagine right now you're looking uh, at china there so there was you know um i think it was solar winds that solar winds hack that that happened recently that was years in the making um I, I'm pretty sure it was Russia. Um, I really should have brushed up on this before this, but I mean, they had persistence in um, U.S. companies for years, and they didn't do anything. They just, you know, kind of stuck around, made sure that they weren't getting, um, you know, locked out. They they held on to that persistence for years until they carried out their attack. That's going on right now, and um, it's it's only going to get worse especially with what's going on with Ukraine, any kind of sanctions that uh, the U.S. and allies are going to impose on Russia, we're going to see some some downfall from that. And, you know, there's nothing you can really do about it. So, um, you know, not trying to get all doom and gloom on here, but it's going to happen. Um, and you just got to stay prepared as best as you can, because something, something bad is going to come. Yeah, no, definitely. I think... Uh... I think they, they talk about like the cyber defenses in the in the U.S. and just in general around the world are so like un uh, unprepared for that type of conflict because it's, it's just it's not something that people are spending the money to research and really uh really develop and like the power grid super vulnerable like uh, I know like certain nuclear factory I think majority of them are all super vulnerable too especially with last night there was like all kinds of like crippling malware attacks that just went flying at Ukraine that completely brought down a bunch of different systems and stuff so there's like definitely a bunch of nasty stuff that dudes can use as a uh, or that state actors will use as as weapons 
Yeah, I'll need to um, post this. There's actually something funny that happened against Russia. Um, somebody hacked the Russian military website, uh, what it appears as they attacked it. Um, and he basically took it down and put a 418 error code. Um, and so I had to look this up. I've never heard of such a thing. Everyone's heard of a 404. You go to a page that you know you want to access and it doesn't exist or something. Right. You get a 404 not found. Um, a 418 error code is an April Fool's Day um, error code, I think, created by Mozilla, which created Firefox. And the error is, I'm a teapot. So somebody hacked the <laughs> Russian military website to put a I'm a teapot code on it i just think that's hilarious yeah there's like all types of dudes that'll that'll go and do these like trolling attacks like uh i remember when i was younger every year on christmas they'd hack sony and microsoft and it like they ddos their systems and stuff so you couldn't even get on xbox live and they'd be like yeah go spend time with your families (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's some hacks that i can kind of get on board with um which i guess this can lead to like uh, a discussion about white hat hacking black hat and gray hat yeah um Ethical hacking, that's all white hat. Um, black hat is malicious intent. You're doing it for personal, um, financial, or you know, political gain. Some people would say gray hat hacking is like uh, in between, where it's like, oh, maybe it's politically driven or- um, Like hacktivists. Uh, ha- hacktivists, yeah, hacktivists like anonymous. But in my opinion, there's no gray hat. It's black or white. If you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing and is illegal, it's black hat. Um, yeah, but that's just my opinion. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, there's some there's some funny hacks out there where you know you can't even get mad about it. You just there's um, it. what was it called? The uh, neon cat virus. What's what's that? Do you know what that was called? Uh, the one with like it's like a cat. Yeah, it like it goes in and it like. Yeah, yeah, it goes in and it like it wipes your. Uh, your operating system basically or i think the boot record something like that and like it just loads up that every single time it's just neon cat like riding around on this rainbow thing on a pop tart and it's playing like this stupid like music (laughs) yeah and it's like honestly funny that was actually an objective that um our cyber team coach told us to do we would run scenarios um attack and defense um and we were split up into two teams and that was an objective where if you got that, you got a certain amount of points. And so that was actually really fun to to exploit that on people's systems. Yeah, I also, I just think it's so cool. Like just all the things that you as just one person can do complete. Like you can literally cripple things like the entire gas line of the Eastern seaboard. The, like this just small group of dudes. I think they caught them a while ago soon after they did it because it spiked gas prices and you know there's a huge shortage and like all like all this all these problems and stuff and they're affecting the economy didn't they say like they, they didn't intend for it to be that bad or something i don't remember yeah i think so um god man, I, I know who did it i can't remember it was some group um, but yeah yeah they they were like oh man we didn't think it would be yeah, this bad yeah like another good example of that is the sql slammer worm this was like early 2000s i don't remember exactly what year but uh i heard about it in my other class and i looked into it because i thought it was super cool and um basically these dudes had exploited a certain space on like an individual pack and like so the, so that you can the average person can understand this everything that you do on the internet is broken up into little packets that 
go across to the servers and stuff and return the information back to your phone um, or your whatever device you're using to be on the internet to begin with. So everything's just kind of like packet-based. And um, basically, they exploited this one segment of the packet where it would uh, replicate their little like uh, piece of malware or whatever um, it was, their little like virus. And at the same time, it would also send out, um, it would self-replicate itself just over and over and over again to the point where it was just DDoSing everything. But at the same time, it would also find all the uh, IP addresses that were uh, stored within that specific server and send it out. And so it just, just like, it like ca it had like this huge cascading effect. And I think in like the first like hour or something, it, it brought down like majority of servers on the internet. But the crazy thing was is that uh, there was already a patch for that vulnerability. Just nobody had updated their systems. And I think that's kind of like... Uh, that was a big thing that I guess t updating things started to become a little more serious after that because this literally brought down like the internet till people were able to take their servers off, like figure out what was happening, take their servers offline, update them, and then bring them back up, and then everything just worked fine because it was it wasn't even really like a like a crazy like a ransomware type of thing. It was just an exploit that was DDoSing literally everything. Yeah, those kind of exploits where they just kind of get completely out of hand and probably the people that developed it didn't even expect for that to happen. Those are wild. Um, and and you should, you know, that's a good point on like updating. If, if you have an update for any kind of software out, out there, um, go ahead and do it, especially like it sucks when you have a Microsoft update, a Windows update um, at an inconvenient time. But there might be a really good reason why there's an update and Microsoft might be releasing an update that um, is a security update that they're not even telling you why um, it's getting released, I guess. Cause like, you know, you don't always know what's going on between these, these companies and why they're releasing an update. They might say security, uh, a security update, but they might not tell you why it's a security update. So you should always kind of take them as like kind of serious um, because you don't want to be left behind and get caught with ransomware or getting stuck in a botnet where your host, your computer is just sending out um, different commands and stuff like that and just being a slave to a larger network. So, you know, you, you always want to stay updated um, so that you don't fall victim to those kind of things. Yeah. And I looked it up actually. So it was in 2003 that this happened, and it's it affected 75,000 uh, hosts within 10 minutes. Isn't that insane? That's insane. That's wild. That's absolutely wild. Yeah. And then, um, like you were talking about with botnets, botnets are kind of insane to me. There's uh, okay. So let me let me look it up because I want to like largest yep. botnets. So a botnet, for anybody that's never heard of it, is basically where people will have these, it's like, uh, they're rats, right? Like remote access Trojans? That's how they like started out with? Yeah, I mean, so it, it can, I guess it can fall into, um, I mean, there's usually a underlying vulnerability or somebody clicking on something that might install it. So it's just like, um, you know, it can just be a, a quick click, it'll download something, and then just kind of sit on a system and, and run commands. Yeah, so basically these people that are in charge, or not in charge, these people that that own these botnets, 
they can issue like for example if you wanted to uh bring xbox live offline you can target those servers and have your botnet this little slave army of just infected computers all start sending packets to uh to the servers and it, it could be like anything from like just like a ping to like uh i don't know like trying to like pull up a, a specific site or something but um it's basically the whole point of it is to completely overwhelm the server's ability to handle all that traffic and it just brings it offline and like the biggest one is uh crater i think i think i'm pronouncing that right but uh it has around 250,000 infected hosts from the last uh the last estimate it's crazy yeah it's um, insane i'm about to send you a link actually just because we're on discord here we have the capabilities one of them uh that happened pretty recently in, uh, it was 2016 so I, man not that recent um but it was a botnet that shut down a large portion of the internet and so that included twitter cnn netflix uh, um says as well as a major russian bank and the entire country of liberia um, and these were IoT devices that got hacked. So there was some kind of underlying vulnerability within a device, like a device that is connected to the internet. Like there are literally like toasters out there that are connected to the internet. Oh the yeah, I wanted to talk about cars and stuff and like planes. Oh. There was, oh dude, okay. Yeah. No, yeah, I mean, it's absolutely wild. So that is another thing that I do. Um, and I'm actually doing an assessment right now for an IoT device. Um, where it's just a, a device that you wouldn't really think ha is connecting to a network, um, but it does. So you might have a refrigerator that you can hack and then turn that refrigerator into a slave to become a part of a larger botnet and execute, you know, Com commands and stuff. Yeah. Know, most people don't yeah. realize that like your TVs, like all these smart TVs, mm -hmm. these smart, uh, smart refrigerators, the, um, what are the things, uh, like any, anything that's like uh, connected to the internet, but isn't specifically like a computer thing that you would think of in general. Like those, uh, all those can can be hijacked because most of them run Linux. Yeah, yeah, they run some form of Linux. Um, and you know what? Like if we're gonna get into creepy stuff, um, and, and that was a great point where you mentioned smart TVs. You know, all your smart TVs are gonna have a speaker built into them. Speakers yep. can be reversed into a microphone. So I, really? I don't know if yeah, I don't know if there's any cases of this actually happening with smart TVs, but they can be, you know, a speaker can be reversed into a microphone. So, you know, huh. you could see something like that in the future. You never know. Yeah, actually, I remember there was a really big deal about uh Amazon and like the Alexa thing because uh they they solved a crime. It was a murder using a recording from alexa but at the same time that case raised a huge controversy because everybody was like what what do you mean a recording why why are there recordings from alexa and so that caused a whole other huge i think there was a huge lawsuit against them and uh i don't know if they still they still do i mean they could say like oh yeah we don't do it anymore but they probably still do yeah that's i mean it's super creepy i mean I don't have any Alexa or Google yeah, or anything neither. like that, yeah. but um, I don't think it really matters because I think I can still say things and then I'll get a targeted ad and I've never looked it up. I'm just talking about it and I'll have a targeted ad that day. So yeah, um, yeah. we're listening. <laughs> yeah. It's a big thing with cell phones. Um, like if you talk about like, uh, Oh, I want to have, I want to get a new couch. 
you're gonna start seeing ads about couches. Oh yeah, yeah. Like it's weird. Um, and then going on to like smart cars and stuff because that's starting to become like uh, more of a thing. Those things, like I've I've seen like videos and stuff on YouTube where dudes will go in and actually hack them, enable, and they're able to get like full control of them. Like I watched a video where this dude's literally driving on the highway and they took away this dude's ability to uh, control the pedal. Like the car just started slowing down on the highway, and he was like, "Okay, all right, all right, all right, we got the point." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I might have seen that same video. I'm not. Sure. Might have been a different one because, you know, I'm sure a lot of these cars were at some point were vulnerable. I think it was like a Jeep, maybe. But um, dude, yeah, super... it was a Jeep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, saw... I think we saw the same video then. Yeah, it's it's just so creepy. Um, and there, so, uh, there's like cybersecurity conferences out there, and it, you know, when sound, when you think of a professional conference, it doesn't sound fun, but um, hacker conferences are DefCon. Just, yeah, DefCon. They're, they're the coolest and. At DEFCON, um, every year there's a, a conference called DEFCON in Las Vegas, and um, it's usually around the same time as another conference called Black Hat. <clears throat> um, DEFCON's more of the uh, actual hacker focused. Black Hat's kind of become a little bit more corporate, corporate um, forward, and so where people are like paying to give talks and stuff like that. It's a lot of advertising, but DEFCON is a really cool hacker focused um, conference. And there's an uh, actual car hacking village. And so um, people will literally, I mean, they'll have cars out there that people are trying to hack. Uh, and the first DEF CON that I went to, there was a Tesla Model 3. And you could win it by hacking it or something like that. I can't remember what it was. Um, but just seeing that kind of stuff, I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah, like, it's insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, there's another thing, too, is there was a, um, a satellite hacking village really? where they're trying to hack a satellite i think it was the um the air force actually uh put that one on they wanted people to try to hack a satellite so they could find the ball yeah i know there was um there was one time i read about this case where this dude uh was on a plane like just a normal commercial flight and he was able to gain like complete control of the aircraft and he was just like, dude, why is this even, like, what? And then he, they, the FBI ended up arresting him for it, but he's like, okay, but, like, I just, like, um, I just revealed a huge, huge problem. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, like, you're welcome. Like, I don't know why I'm getting arrested. <laughs> but, um, yeah. yeah, but, like, DEF CON is so cool. I really, really, really want to go. But, like, the funniest thing I've always heard about DEF CON is people are like, if you value your devices whatsoever, do not connect to the Internet. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess that goes back to what I was saying. Um, the Internet is a hostile environment. Um, and... Maybe not so much anymore. Uh, the times that I went, the first time I went to DEF CON, I definitely treated it like that. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to have my phone on at all while I'm walking around. Um, the last time I went, I wasn't really concerned about it. I don't think there's... Is that not, not as maybe, much of a thing anymore? Yeah, I think that used to be a thing, you know, years ago. Uh, okay. Not so much anymore. However, um, I would never connect to any Wi-Fi ever at DEF CON. I'll use my cell phone and my data and all that, but I would never connect to yeah, it. Yeah, because I, I always heard there's like a huge free-for-all on that Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and it's to be expected. And you should you should definitely expect there to be shenanigans at DEF CON. Yeah, I remember um, 
I don't I was listening to a podcast and she was talking about like way back in the day like like when people would be doing these demonstrations and stuff um at Deathcon sometimes there'd be like cops and stuff in the crowd and like after they finished they were like yeah you're under arrest <laughs> <laughs> <That sucks. laughs> like, yeah. like it's kind of funny yeah <laughs> yeah and there's like um it's really crazy because uh like going going back to like iot devices because i remembered watching this uh video by uh network chuck and he was talking about all the uh y you know those like home camera systems or whatever yeah, like a ring camera or something. Yeah, yeah, and you can go on to Google and literally just like look up random ones that are like misconfigured and they're just like accessible oh, yeah, to the yeah. internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then yeah. you can literally just be watching like a random person's house or like stuff like that. Yeah, you can. Um, there's a website called Shodan, and um, you can pretty much just search the entire internet for various parameters and get really detailed with it. But yeah, that's the thing um, that. You know, while you're going through the OSCP certification, that's the first time I kind of heard about that. Um, but you can look on Google and just search various terms to find like open webcams and just like connect to it. And you'll just see some like random dude in China, like hanging out at home. And you're just like, oh, fuck, that's weird. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, what's it called when uh, you're using like the Google Google hacking or whatever? What's it called? uh google dorking yeah google dorking yeah and basically yeah. that's like for everybody that doesn't know it's literally you just type in these certain commands into uh google almost like it's like a terminal on a uh, linux where you're just typing in commands oftentimes it reveals misconfigurations of like uh yeah. what system admins uh set up their servers to do but they do a little bit more and reveal like sensitive files or like other sensitive things and you can type in these commands and stuff and type in like starbucks for example and like sometimes you can find like files and stuff about starbucks that like you're not necessarily supposed to see yeah, yeah that's a great point um that's something that we're gonna we do every single time we do an external penetration test uh and that goes back to that OSINT phase where we're conducting that open source intelligence um i mean i'll, I'll look for terms like password um, and you can get really detailed in what you're searching. You can look for specific file types. Um, you can exclude things if you put like a minus sign. Um, if you want a very detailed term, you put it in quotes and you, you want that specific um, set of words or a word, you put it in quotes and it'll look for that. So um, yeah, Google dorking is something that not a lot of people are aware of, but it's actually a really powerful tool if you want to make your Google searches a lot better. Yeah, it's literally just Google Chrome. Most of these things, they're just like out there just because people are just people like the, like going back to that biggest vulnerability, like sometimes it isn't even like the computers, it's it's the people. Yeah, and you would think that, you know, most of these people that are setting up a website or setting up a network um it, it's kind of common sense that you're going to secure it but you got a lot of people in information technology and just it in general they're not security forward and they're not thinking about those things and to be fair you know i mean four years ago i probably wouldn't have been doing that either if i set up a website i don't know the things to do to make it secure um, and so there's so many misconfigurations out there where, um, you know, it, it's just an easy win for a hacker. So, yeah, absolutely.
Yeah, talking about that, you you uh, mentioned to me about a week or two ago about the uh, CVE file that you'd, uh, or I don't know if it's called the CVE file, but the basically you'd reported like a vulnerability that you'd found and it actually got a really high rating as like a, this is a really bad like vulnerability that needs to like be patched. Yeah, so um, CVEs are um, vulnerabilities that are being, that are publicly released. Um, Wow, I should. I think it's uh, common vulnerabilities and exposures. Um, and so, whenever I find a vulnerability within a product or software, if it's publicly available and it's being used, I'm going to submit it, um, and that will now become public information where anyone can look up a product or a software and see what vulnerabilities are associated with it. Um, and I have four of them now, um, and they even go up to the, the government level where the government is tracking these kind of things. So it's really cool to get a CVE, but, um, you know, I just do it to, you know, try to make the world a safer place. I know it kind of sounds a little bit silly, but like, I really truly believe in that. Um, and so one of the things that I found was, um, was actually a, a coworker of mine, uh, helped, well, he, it was his assessment. He found the initial access and then we worked together to find this, but, um, there was default credentials for a login. So this, uh, uh, store software is like a storefront software. You, where you can create a storefront online for your company. Um, and it shipped with default credentials. So you can log in with like the username admin and the password admin. Um, and anyone on the internet can log in with that. And then once you're in there, generate reports on customers and you want to get like, you know, order information and um, product information, you can run a report. Well, when that happens, that's going to call back to the database. So the database is going to store all that kind of information. It's going to store customer information, address, credit card information, um, you know, phone numbers, uh, passwords, all that, all those uh, sort of things. Well, we were able to um, execute any command within the database and retrieve anything that we wanted. That's a problem. You shouldn't have that. So that was one of the vulnerabilities that we disclosed. Um, and that got a 7.5 out of 10, which is a really high score. You know, my other CVs that I submitted, I think at most are like a 4.5. So that was kind of cool to see that. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm an advocate for submitting vulnerabilities, going through the responsible disclosure process, um, and it's not always well received. Like you mentioned with that guy that got arrested for hacking the airplane, it's like, well, I found this and I told you guys about it. You're welcome. Like now you can fix it. So, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool too. And then like I'm sure that like helps you in just your career because it's like, oh hey, I, I was a dude that found this and this, and people are probably like, yeah. Oh. I mean. Um, the way I would put it best is everyone has a brand and you kind of need to brand yourself a little bit. Um, I'm not a huge advocate for going on camera and going on YouTube and stuff like that, but I've given talks at conferences um, about very technical things. Um, I like to submit these things so that, you know, when I want to apply to a job, you know, that adds a lot of credibility to my name. Um, you can go, I have a website called mattschmidt.net you can go to that and that just it adds a, a high level overview of what I'm about. Um, the things that I find, uh, things that I hack, the things that I do. 
Uh, and so, you know, I think it's kind of important for everyone to kind of build out a little bit of a self-branding. Um, you know, you want to make yourself competitive. I mean, what sets you apart from everybody else in the job field? You got to find a way to do that. So um, doing those sort of things, submitting CVEs, um, research, having a website where you can show, you know, what you're competent in, what you understand, that's all important. Yeah, that's all like incredibly good points and stuff. That's we covered a lot. This is really cool though. I really like uh, I really like talking about this stuff. I literally could talk about this stuff for hours. I know. <laughs> did Did you ever uh, have to mess with anything with WannaCry? No, no. Uh, fortunately, not. Um, I never do anything when it comes to incident uh, incident response. Um, that's not my wheelhouse. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, because I I remember uh, when that was a big deal, because a lot of uh, a lot of computers were like locked down and like all their files encrypted, and uh, you couldn't release or you couldn't get it out of it unless you sent money to uh, a Bitcoin or Bitcoin uh, wallet, and um, yeah, it like costed a lot of uh, companies like a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, and that goes back to that you know the underlying vulnerability there was. Um internal blue and that was kind of what i was talking about where when i went to college my cyber team coach he wanted me to exploit eternal blue on the system to gain access to it and that's what WannaCry did is it exploited that eternal blue um vulnerability which by the way was a tool uh or an exploit created by the nsa um so you know oh, was it really yeah it was uh created by the nsa and the NSA got hacked somehow, and all their—well, not all their tools, but a lot of their tools were released. And Eternal Blue, uh, Eternal Blue, being one of them, um, and it was released by a, a group called the Shadow Brokers. So it's pretty uh, wild. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought the names for these groups were kind of funny. There's like a lot of uh, a lot of like weird names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, I don't stay on top of um, uh, APTs or uh, advanced persistent threats as much as I should, um, all these hacker groups. But, um, it, I mean, it's super interesting. One of my best friends, he he's all into that. He does a lot of the defense uh, side of things. Um, and so whenever I have any kind of question about a hacker group or whatever, I'll go to him. And he'll just talk about, you know, he'll talk my ear off for an hour about that one group. I think that's really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to like try and find some more people that are in cybersecurity just so I could talk about like different like spots and stuff uh, about it in the career fields. Because I think it's like I, I really think a lot of veterans like if they gave cybersecurity a chance, they'd honestly fall in love with it. Yeah, and um, I would be failing everyone if I didn't mention um, VetSec, and VetSec is a community of um veterans who want to get into cybersecurity. Uh, it was actually founded by that guy that I was talking about, the cyber mentor a while back. Um, but VetSec is an excellent resource for veterans trying to break into cybersecurity. Um, they have a whole Slack channel, a website, and um they partner with uh, you know training companies so you can get you know top tier you know, world-class training for free. Um, so you, you definitely want to uh, go to veteransec.org 
You want to sign up, get on Slack channels, um, talk with people, um, share your story, learn from them, uh, and just be a sponge and just absorb everything because it's a great community for that. Uh, I don't go on it as much as I used to anymore, um, but I, I huge advocate for veteran sec. And if you are looking for more people um, to get on the podcast and maybe talk about different side of things like the blue team side of things, that's a great place to find those kind of people. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, I just want to, okay, so I wanted to ask you too. So when you did first start learning about this stuff and first getting into it, I remember uh, you mentioned to me a like super long time ago, like I think the first thing you did was a CTF competition, right, that you'd actually won? Um, yeah, so the first time I got into it was when um, I joined my cybersecurity team uh, at that college. Um, but we did do CTFs, which are capture the flags. Um, so we did, we did a few of those. Um, and then we did a competition called the uh, collegiate cyber defense competition. And, um, if you're still in school, I would look at the CCDC team, um, and see if they have one, because those will be really great people to work with, uh, and make those connections. But, um, I went through a course, um, through SANS and SANS is like, you know, you know, top tier world-class cybersecurity training uh, organization and um, did a CTF with them. And um, it was like a boot camp week-long course um, for, you know, instant response, instant handling and, and uh, kind of like penetration testing and hacker stuff. Um, but at the end, I, I ended up winning it and got a coin, and I thought that was just so cool. And that was really just a good catalyst to push me to get into penetration testing. Yeah, that sounds so awesome. I really want to get into those. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know where to even really start with that. And I definitely, probably am not like, uh, probably hey, definitely don't have the uh, huh. I was gonna say next CTF that comes up and, and one that I can find, we'll team up and we'll we'll collaborate there. That'll be a lot of oh, fun. Oh, dude, that'd be so awesome. I would love that. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be so down. Yeah, because, like, uh, I know these get, like, kind of super complicated and stuff. I've seen, like, videos and stuff. Like, there's, like, some places that'll, like, host these competitions, and it'll be, like, super nice, like, legit places, and, like, it's just, like, super cool rooms, and you're all just trying to, like, hack this thing first and, like, beat the other team and get the code for or the, get the flag first. Yeah, I mean, there's people out there that make a living off of this. Yeah, like, they, they um, uh, yeah. Wild. Yeah, and there, there's teams that, like, you know, they're, they're going to pull a few thousand dollars winning a competition. I mean, that's just crazy to me. Yeah, and then there'll be, like, even recruiters from, like, the NSA or, like, other other government agencies or oh, yeah. even just, like, companies and stuff. They'll be, like, hanging around there, and they'll be like, oh, hey, dude, that's uh, pretty good work there. You want a job? Yeah, yeah, if you can demonstrate technical proficiency on a CTF, you will have job offers. It's yeah. just a fact, um, especially at those kind of conferences um another conference to mention is b-sides um literally like a uh, a-side and b-side on vinyl uh it's called b-sides and they have them pretty much in like every state and in your big like kind of cities around there washington dc has one charlotte has one um so you just got to kind of find them but yeah b-sides are great places to go to um and also great places to give a conference talk um and that's just goes back to branding yourself, you know what I mean? So it's a uh, they're the um more introductory level uh 
conferences. I, I say that, but it's, that you know, it makes it sound like it, you know they're not worth their salt. B sides are awesome, and you can learn a ton from them. And there can be very very technical talks at them, but they're great for intro uh, people. Yeah, because I know John Hammond on his uh, on his YouTube channel, like in his videos, he'll be like, "Just throw yourself into it, just do it." And yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I guess I, I got to try that. So yeah, that'd be definitely. Um, you know, and listen, let's be real. We're all you know veterans, or we're still in active duty. Listening to this, we got thrown into boot camp. What the fuck else can we get thrown into? It's not that bad. You know yeah, I mean, I mean honestly, you can yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah, when you think about it, like. Nothing really will ever be as bad as like doing the Hilo dunker or something like that. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, you're never gonna do anything crazy like that, and and now you have your freedom to do it. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, man, I really I want to thank you for coming on the podcast. We got to do this again sometime, dude. We really do. Yeah, I definitely appreciate you having me on. Um, again, like I said to anyone listening, if you uh, you know just have any questions, want to break into this field. Uh, IT in general or security, come on the Discord, hit me up. I go by Rumham, and I'm just happy to help anyone out. Yeah, and the uh, the link to the Discord is in the uh, is on the profile, and and it's just it's in the bio. So, but yeah, I want to thank uh, I want to thank you again for coming on, Matt. It was really really cool to talk to you, and just just for myself, like personally, because I'm getting into the same kind of stuff. Like I just I loved I love talking to you, man. Yeah, man, I have no doubt that you're going to be successful in this field, especially with all the passion that you have and enthusiasm. So, you know, definitely wish you best of luck. And obviously, I'm not going anywhere. So if you ever have any questions, hit me up. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Well, to everybody else, I want to uh, thank you guys for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. If, uh, And side note, if you want to come on to the podcast and talk about anything, just shoot me a DM. So, yeah, we'll see you guys next time.